Welcome to the Business, Wealth and Mindset Podcast. Your space for real motivational interviews and cutting-edge business content to inspire your positive mental attitude. And now, your host, Alex Sopala. Yeah, first of all, thanks, uh, thanks again for sort of agreeing to uh, to come and uh, and speak to us on the podcast. Uh, um, you've got a quite an uh, inspirational story behind you. There's uh, quite a lot of stuff that you're doing. Your experience in the uh, avionics stuff, and also you know your music and all of that. So I thought uh, it would be good to sort of uh, capture the real Nick behind all of this uh, success and stuff that you're doing. So I sure. understand. But uh, if you can uh, take us through essentially like your, your your journey, so from the beginning to be able to to get to where you are now and what uh, the things that you've managed to achieve and what you do, and later on, obviously, we get to share what you're doing and how you can offer uh, your services to the audience and the people who listen to the podcast as well, and how people can find you. But uh, uh, initially, yeah, if you if you think of this as a depository of like uh, your your life story in essence like uh, you know think 20 years 50 years down the line people are listening and who you know they're trying to understand who nick was so you take us from the beginning like you know where you're from from birth the siblings your journey your school education experiences up to here so it'll be good to to capture that as we build up to the stuff that you can offer as well so take us through that over to you nick yeah Absolutely. Uh, so let's start with, <laughs> I guess, the most formative memory I have, and it may be just around mm. the time when kind of, you know, you, you come online as a sentient being, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, very early on, I remember going to the airport and I got into one of the little airplanes. We had these little six-seater airplanes with a single engine. I remember getting it. I remember being cold out. Yeah. And then I remember getting out of the airplane and it was warm out. And the next day we went to Disney World. And I got to see Mickey Mouse. So I must have been all of about four years old. But that was kind of the first time that it anchored airplanes yeah. are a tool for going to Disney World, which to me meant airplanes are a tool for doing things you love, yeah. getting great, amazing experiences, right? So yeah. I think that was probably one of the most anchoring things that had happened to me was, okay, I love airplanes. Yeah. And as my time went on, I just always had these really interesting experiences. It was both a place where I bonded with my family yeah. Uh, growing up, you know, just the the experience of like, I had a dad that I always looked up to. And I remember other kids being like, you know, they'd make fun of their dads. They'd be like, my dad's kind of a dork. I'm like, I don't know, my dad's a guy who works on and fixes airplanes and takes me flying and lets me sit up front. And I could sit on his lap and fly. And it was like a superhero. Again, like literally I had a dad who could fly, right? That sounds like superhero type wow. stuff. So I always really respected him. And, and I really appreciated his tenacity and his like watching the way he did things was like, I learned by osmosis. I was like, this is a guy who really believes in excellence and he believes in the artistry of being a pilot. There are mm -hmm. plenty of people that fly airplanes, just like there are people that drive cars. But yeah. then there are automotive enthusiasts and there are aviators and there are people that are truly passionate about how they move through it. And they don't want to just control the machine. They want to know how it works, everything that goes yeah. into it, every little mm -hmm. screw, nut and bolt and why it is the way it is. So I think very early on growing up, I grew up around a dad that way. Um, in third grade, first day in school, the teacher pulled the room and she said, Hey, what did everyone do during their summer? And I said, I flew a plane. 
And she goes, no, Nick, you flew on a plane. Yeah. And I said, no, 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 I actually flew the airplane. And uh, it wow. just got to the point where I was so adamant that, no, you're, you're not understanding. I was the pilot. <laughs> and she ended up calling my mom and saying, Nick is a bit of a pathological liar. And my mom said, no, no, Nick actually flew a plane. Yeah, and he logged the time and he's putting it in his logbook that he's going to put towards his license. Yeah. And that was really the first moment in my life when I realized that I have a very different experience of the world. Yeah, because I, you know, I always thought like in the same way everyone has a car and some people drive their cars to their family boat. Mm -hmm. I thought everyone had a car and drew their, you know, drove their car to their family plane. So mm -hmm. in third grade, that first day was the day I went like, oh, oh, this is different. This is it's special. Yeah, it makes me wow. it makes me unique. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that that was again like one of these formative stories, and I found that aviation okay. kept on being something. It kept on being a medium that kept giving me those kind of experiences. Yeah. The day I turned 16, uh, to be to be a pilot, you, at 16 years old, you're allowed to fly by yourself. It's called flying solo. Yeah. You get your student pilot certificate. On your 17th birthday, you could get your full license. Well, my dad had a goal for me, and I had a goal for myself. I was going to solo on my 16th birthday. Problem is, it was a school day. So yeah. I had to take a train from where my school is to the airport because I wasn't old enough to drive. Mm -hmm. I got to the airport that day, which left very little time for daylight. And I had to basically go through the whole thing and go and fly around the, the airport once by myself before the sun went down. Yeah. And again, that was formative for a bunch of reasons. It was one kind of comical and ironic that here I am taking a train to the airport to go fly an airplane because I'm not old enough to drive. <laughs> the other piece of that, though, is I realized that as a 16-year-old, I had to ask myself some real questions. Hmm. And the question was... Uh, can I do this? Can I really do this? Because if you take a, a math test and you're like, can I do this? Well, if I don't, who cares? I'll fail or I'll cheat. Yeah. I can cheat and pass my test by looking at the smart kid. But this was something I went, I can't cheat. I'm by myself in a machine hurling through the air. Mm. If I cheat, I could die. And it's not, I don't think a lot of 16 year olds are faced with mortality. I don't think they're faced with who am I to myself? And what? how do I show up in the world in a way that I'm ultimately responsible for my own life. No parent can save me. No, there's no safety net in this moment. So once again, a very formative experience was on my 16th birthday, I was control. I was in control of my destiny. Wow. And, and you know, that, like, that was a very, that was a very, very big deal to me to be able to have that, that kind of experience. Yeah. Um, it was empowering. It was like, Hey, I, I'm a man. At 16, I felt like a man. Like I was someone that 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 really was put in this position of power, and I and I wanted to respect that. I wanted to respect the machine. I wanted to respect the risk, mm. and it gave me a real love for for again, like what is my relationship to learning and self, and how I show up in the world. So, I mean, throughout my life, there have just been so many moments of aviation taking me there. Now, there's a parallel track here that I think is really important to 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 share that is formative. Yeah, uh, I was bullied through most of my teenage years. Um, I was ended up forming like incredible social anxiety to the mm. point where I was the only kid in my grade school that was allowed to go home for lunch to my house because I couldn't be in the lunchroom. I couldn't be out in the playground. I was so afraid of getting beat up and not having the tools. And, and I just didn't know how to protect myself. I didn't have, I never formed that. Mm. Um, similarly, uh, I was I had incredible stage fright. I always loved music growing up. Again, I saw, I remember watching MTV and seeing Guns N' Roses and Axl Rose on stage singing, <laughs> welcome to the jungle in paradise city. I, like, I want to be on stage. I want to be that guy who performs and has a voice and has that power to yeah. be with 
people, to be in front of people, to take people somewhere, uh, not just physically with an airplane, but also emotionally with story or with song. And, yeah. uh, you know, I wanted to be that so bad, but I, I literally would get almost sick to my stomach at the thought of getting on a stage. I'd almost want to throw up. And so I was like, I can't do that. And there was a third thing, which is that um, I had struggled with a lot of health issues. So I said, you know, um, a lot of autoimmune type stuff. And I had a grandmother that had suffered from that and ultimately died from it and, and from that experience. So I also had this fear of like, I'm not a powerful person. I'm a weak person with a broken body that, you know, I really have to stay home and be safe and keep close to home. I don't want to be uncomfortable and traveling the world is not something I can do. So there's these two people living simultaneously. This yeah. like maverick, Tom Cruise, get in an airplane, mm -hmm. the world I control, I, you know, I'm a, screw physics. I'm gonna be the guy that flies through the air and does what feels impossible, even though that really does follow the laws of physics, but it feels like you're a superhero. Yeah. And then I'm also this like scared guy who's a, or boy who's afraid of how to be in the world. And mm. ultimately it was the experience of turning to the place that I felt power and asking myself, how do I apply those principles to the other parts of my life? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like skipping ahead real quick in this story. Mm -hmm. uh, I am a social butterfly now. I love networking. I love being around people. I moved to New York City so I could be closer to people yeah. and to be around smart people and to meet strangers and to do all the weird things that I can do. Yeah. I became a performing musician. Mm -hmm. I then you know, I've, I've played at some major festivals. I play in New York City like once a week in some of the parks. Um, I embrace that fear. And beyond that, I think I'm a relatively healthy guy that actually feels like I can go anywhere and my body's extremely resilient. I feel very strong. Mm -hmm. And I'm not afraid of health. I actually feel like I have control of it. Uh, and, and I have a really positive relationship to my body. And the reason why I say that is the way I got to the person who faced my three biggest fears. If I truly lived by those fears and I not moved through them, yeah. I think I'd have a pretty mediocre life. Yeah, wow. I think I'd wonder, I'd be this 40 year old going, you know, I don't have what it takes to have that life and I should just accept that life is what it is and I'm as good as I'll ever be and good enough is good enough and all those limiting beliefs. It was the fact that the piloting mindset, the what I learned in a cockpit gave me the tools to look straight in the face of those fears and go, who do I want to be here? Do I want to be the guy that takes off and flies through it? Or do I want to be the guy that sits here and complains about it and says, I don't have what it takes? Mm. And that was really the, the reason why I have so much love for aviation and piloting specifically is that it really did, uh, again, I call it the, the pilot mindset. It gave me the tools to move through that. And, and I'll share one, one other story about that is that at one point in my life, I was flying a single engine airplane and I had an engine failure. And it was my silly moment. It was my miracle on the Hudson moment where here I am flying through the air with one engine gone. Yeah. And I had to, I had to just be in that moment. And I remember as soon as the engine quit, as soon as it quit, there was never a moment where I said, poor me, wow. why me? Why is this happening to me? Mm. What I found really notable about that is I didn't argue with reality. There was no arguing with reality. The reality is I don't have an engine. I'm now in a glider, whether or not I want to be. And yeah. I have a, I don't know, 10 minutes or five minutes to solve how I'm going to get out of this thing. Yeah. Or be okay with dying. One of the two. Like it's either I'm just going to accept that I'm going to die uh, yeah. or I'm going to take control of the situation and, and say, I'm going to, I'm going to make this the outcome I want it to be. Yeah. At the same time I, that happened in my life, I was in a relatively unstable relationship. Mm. I noticed that in that relationship, I was holding on to things. I was wishing things were different. I was, 
going through that emotional roller coaster of one of those relationships where it's like it's a fight and then a makeup and a fight and then a makeup. Right. And I was dating someone's potential. I was dating the fantasy of what we could be. And I was like, how the hell can I be so in touch with reality in one moment yeah. and then out of touch with reality in another? And so that moment really was the one that 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 it solidified the power of this mindset for me is that I'm arguing with reality in all parts of my life except mm. flying airplanes. And yeah. what if I stop arguing with reality in those other places and take 100% ownership for who I am and what I'm showing up as and say, look, I'm, I can be unhappy. I can be miserable. I'm, I'm going to let myself feel the feelings. Mm. Never going to stop and say that reality is something other than it is. Yeah. And well, so it's been a process of integrating that into my life. And again, just continually leveling, leveling up and realizing that the journey's never over. There's always more to learn. Yeah, and those are kind of the big beats. I'd say that those are the biggest beats in my life that I think are, when I think of the story I want to tell with my life, it is ultimately yeah. someone who helps others look at fear and move through it. Yeah. Because there's, there's this funny idea of entrepreneurship where people go, wow, those guys are fearless. No, they're not. <laughs> they're fun. Yeah, they're absolutely terrified. They're stressed out of their minds. They're yeah. playing to the edge of if I screw up, I die. It's the same thing. If I screw up, I lose everything. And not only do I lose everything, all the people that have trusted me and depended on me and invested in me and work for me, my family, they're all going to be left with nothing. I yeah. will I've broken their promise. And there's no more shame than breaking that promise that I think we, we try to create as entrepreneurs. So I was like, you know what? Entrepreneurs are terrified, but they do it anyway. They move through the fear. Yeah. How do I tell a story of my life that way? How do I tell a story of someone that was crippled by fear and moved through it anyway? Because I think that that's the gift I want to share with the world is, yeah, embrace the fear, see the fear, don't deny the fear. Look it right in the face and then move through it. And, and let's create those tools to do that. And again, I was fortunate to have piloting as something that I didn't know that was what it was going to be, but it was the framework that gave me access to how to do it. To do it, yeah. Wow, that's uh, such a, a powerful story. And there's quite a lot of stuff to uh, unpack in your story. But uh, <laughs> one, one of the things that uh, probably people listening will be uh, thinking is, uh, you know, it, it seems in your story you had uh, this uh, sort of uh, clarity from uh, the onset in terms of uh, what you wanted to do. Like at 16, you're already looking at these machines and the plan. But for a lot of people, there's a, a lot of maybe confusion or they don't know what it is that uh, they, they would like to do or that they can do or what they are good at. And, uh, um, you, you know, it's it's linked. I listen to uh, Dr. John DiMartin quite a lot. You know, he talks about human behavior and the values, how when you're doing something that is aligned to your values and things that are important to you, it, it's almost uh, what you're doing doesn't feel like a, a job. It's like a joy. It's a challenge. You're enjoying it. And it looks like you found that space for you. You know? You're know, you in a zone whereby you're enjoying the flying and it's such amazing experience. Obviously, you know, you've made that your passion and vacation and vocation or into one. But how can, how can uh, people starting to think of the things that they can do, how can they sort of discover the things that they can do and actually get to cement those in terms of making something out of them because this this kind of uh being like you of uh you know taking out the fear and all of this it's uh you know some people will see it, it's it's good to say but it's probably not easy to apply for some people they find it hard how can you you know what, what can you advise or what can you say to people who are struggling 
to actually find that and get out of that fear and pursue what they want to do when it's so maybe gripping for them to take any action? What, what would you say? What was it in, in you that, you know, gave you that, that, you know, you can just take out the fear in a way? Oh, here's a big shocker. Yeah. Uh, I still don't know what I want to do. I'll be honest. <laughs> I, I think like, I love flying, but it's not my thing. Like, it's not my, it's not the thing I want to do for my whole life. And then that's mm -hmm. the story of my life. I don't want to be the guy who was a pilot and then he died. Yeah. Right. And I don't want to be the guy who's a musician and then he died. I don't, I don't, I still tell people, I don't know what my thing is yet. I'm still trying to figure it out. I yeah. haven't found, uh, it's interesting. Last week I had a conversation uh, with a business group I'm part of. We had a presentation about something called Ikigai. Mm -hmm. And Ikigai is a Japanese concept that says, when you are, when you have four conditions exist simultaneously, you have created a life worth living. I think Ikigai yeah. translates to a life worth living or finding a meaningful life, basically. Um, yeah. They say it's when you find what you're good at and yeah. you love it and the world needs it and people are willing to pay you for it. Yeah. You've just found the four conditions that create, I think, the, the, the like uh, again, a, a long and happy life, right? Yeah. And I'll be honest, I don't think I have that yet. I still, I've had to do it piecemeal. I don't have the one thing that brings me all four of those things. So flying brings me joy, playing music brings me joy, running a business brings me joy, hanging out with smart people and talking about interesting stuff and trying to change yeah. the world and all that stuff all brings me joy. But I still don't know my what. I only know my how. Yeah. So the answer to that is when people don't know what their what is, I still believe go back to your values and to your how. Yeah, piloting may not be my be all end all of what I'm trying to create in the world, but I know how I want to do it. I want to do it with excellence and with curiosity and with respect and with just this desire to be the best at that thing and immerse myself in what it means to be a pilot. So I can, again, like all the magic comes out in, in, in that last mile, right? Like learning to be a pilot Maybe people wouldn't have a transformation, but when you take it to the point of excellence, that's yeah. where the magic happens. And, and I really believe in this concept of, uh, there's a book called Consilience mm -hmm. that says, basically when you master any one thing, it makes it easier to master another thing because mastery in of itself is, is transferable. Mm -hmm. It is transferable and there's, you see it in metaphor between things. So like the best of piloting shows up in the best of running a business, shows up in the best of being in a relationship, shows up in the best of whatever, right? And I think that's the answer to when someone says to me, what's my thing? I don't know. And I say, I don't care what your thing is. Figure out how you want to show up in the world and yeah. what your values are and do that. You want to rake leaves, rake it with excellence. You mm. want to start a dog walking company, walk with excellence, connect with your customers with excellence, figure out what you ultimately believe is who you are. Mm. And then just be that person in all the things you do. And yeah. I think, then I think it finds us. I actually believe that I know it's a little woo woo and it's like, I don't know, I'm a New Yorker who's hard charging, but the reality is I'm frustrated as hell that I don't know what, what my one thing is. Maybe there isn't one thing. Maybe that's a pipe dream. Maybe yeah. I'm not, I don't know. But what I do know is that every damn thing I do is going to be held to the same standard of excellence. Yeah. And at least it creates an opportunity for me to potentially fall in love with that thing or find a love for that thing. And then integrate it into my life in some way. So I, I don't know. I, I don't know what anyone's yeah. what is. Wow. But, but really focus on the how. Yeah, and and that's that's quite a, a um, an interesting, very um, uh, highlighting perspective actually that you put it that you know mastering everything will actually uh, manifest itself in all the things that you're actually doing. That that's a great way. And just to uh, to add as well to what, what you're saying, I think uh, I've, I've read somewhere about the meaning of life. Uh, aside to the four things that you said, 
I think it's applied in other three things, which they say, uh, you know, it's manifested in something that you're doing, something that you're looking forward to, as well as something, something or someone that you love as well. Yeah. So if you look at it in those things, so if you look at your situation, what is it that you're doing? You know, you're flying and all of that kind of thing. What is it that you look forward to? And then do you have something or someone that you love? You love the plans and all that experience. And, and uh, you know, to your point, as you're pursuing that, as you are doing something and uh, as you are enjoying the moment, eventually you'll probably find, you know, come to find your reason or your, you know, something that you, you're actually destined to do. So quite uh, um, very um, inspiring information and stories there that, that you're sharing about. Yeah, and great news. If, if you never find it, that's fine too, right? Like yeah. if you're not, if, if to be a seeker in life who's just mastering things as they go, yeah. not way to show up in the world it's okay if you never find that thing and i i i really do believe that now is that what a boring life it would be if you mastered something by 21 and then you were done yeah <laughs> because we're we always uh, everything is uh, just ebbing and flowing isn't it? you never actually arrive at something and say yeah i've arrived this is what i was pursuing and then i sit down because there's just so many factors, so many things are changing in that. So, you know, as soon as you master something, maybe, you know, an, another interest comes in or even the environment changes. I mean, look at the situation we are in now in terms of aviation and flying. There's quite a big fundamentals that have uh, made changes in there. And you have to adapt and find ways to survive or do something else or do other things. So we are always moving and changing so uh in in terms of that but if you're showing up and showing that uh, excellence and doing in whatever it is you're gonna thrive whatever it is whatever is thrown your way so that is yeah. a great perspective actually the way the way you, you put it uh, there's there. a beautiful there's a beautiful um paradox and I, I don't remember the name of it but it's in i remember being taught this in math class mm -hmm. and for most people it just it was like eh, who cares and yeah. for me, it had this profound effect of going, maybe that's what life really is. And I can't remember the name. Again, it drives me nuts that I don't remember the name. But the paradox was that if you think about it this way, if, if you are at A and you want to go to B, mm -hmm. at some point, you're going to be halfway there. And then at yeah. some point, you're going to be, when you go to like halfway, then you're going to be halfway to halfway and then halfway to halfway to halfway. And the yeah. point was that for infinity, you could only ever get halfway there to infinity. Every time you move halfway there, you cut that in half, and then you go halfway to that, and then halfway to that. And the point yeah. was, can you ever actually get anywhere if yeah. for infinity you can only get halfway there? Halfway and I know it's a, it's a bit heady and it's a bit ridiculous, but there's a beauty in that that maybe that's kind of what life is about. You never actually get to where you were going because no yeah. one really wants to get to where they're going. But it's mm -hmm. the stretching and the at the point that you're going from 99.5% to uh, 99.75%, the level of mastery and nuance, yeah. but the, the, the richness of experience for you is grand. Yeah. And when you're like, wow, look at Olympic athletes, the point oh 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 one you know, uh, second, like the millisecond, right? The millisecond makes all the difference in the world between, okay. Yeah. And star champion best in the world. Wow. And I think that in many ways, I, I feel like, and again, that's my values. Maybe that's not for everybody. For some people, 80% is good enough. I actually believe that there's beauty in trying to strive for the impossible. Yeah. Because yeah. sometimes you actually get pretty damn close. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
because you you have to to find your uniqueness isn't it and that's something that is uh, uh that that drives you that that is specific to you because every person is is unique and individual in themselves isn't it? and mm-hmm. they have awesome power that is different to to every, everyone else so it is and, and no one's handing it out right no one's just yeah. handing it to people no one ever says like hey here's your thing go go do your thing or here's here's yeah. excellence for you it yeah. is the act of chasing that, that 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 creates that in us yeah and when you're doing that just enjoying the journey as well and the moments within it i, I remember one great example that was given that uh, if you're looking for example to go uh, climb a mountain for example so you're probably doing training and all sorts and maybe you've got a group of friends you're going to do that it's all in the journey in the moments because if the goal is to actually get to the top of the mountain i mean you can just uh, take a plane or a helicopter and go to the top of a mountain but yeah, yeah. but uh, everything is in the preparation you know the food maybe they're walking there your friends and or the, the people you're traveling with so it's the journey so even if you actually never get to climb or to get to the top but there's been events and the journey which you've actually enjoyed before actually getting there so that's probably one of the things that we should try like like you are saying even though you don't know what your eventual goal is but in between and in the now and in the moments you've got stuff that you're doing that you're enjoying the networking the people that you're meeting the talking and sharing your information and your inspiration it's all part of the journey so it all adds to 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 that uh, kind of being in a way so it's 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 quite great actually you know to share and uh, uh, get uh, to to speak to people like yourself to actually share that that journey so uh this um just t- take us through as well. obviously you you're flying you you talked about uh, at 16 because within flying a, a bit of uh, maybe technical information within your field uh, obviously you've got a in terms of like at 16 obviously what what you are flying could it be just a a single jet engine what are the sizes of the stuff that you can actually fly and and get licenses for how how does that that work um, yeah so uh the, oh, here's the here's the technical stuff i grew up flying a mishmash of airplanes so everything from single engine to twin engine airplanes and some were pretty large for you know to be yeah. training on, i just grew up around it so yeah. uh by 19 i'd become a learjet pilot so i was flying charter flights all over the country all over the western hemisphere for the most part yeah. uh, we were doing also a lot of organ transport flights which we still do as a company so we were the guys that would pick up the organ teams or the the, the surgeon teams in new york and then go fly them to wherever pennsylvania to go harvest organs and then fly them back so it's like super critical type stuff just yeah. go 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 uh nice to be doing life-saving work though but it was kind of the balance of both worlds yeah. and then something interesting happened at about I think it was about 25 or 26. I got pretty bored because I felt like, all right, I'm a young guy that's kind of, I, I shouldn't say mastered, but I think I really felt a sense of mastery with flying. And I felt that I'd, I'd exceeded my expectation for what I wanted to be as a pilot. I was yeah. flying very complex equipment. I was flying at very fast speeds and I was doing things in the world that I was proud of. Yeah. But I was like, this isn't my limit. Where's my limit? And so at that point, uh, randomly, a guy with an aerobatic airplane showed up in my life and said, if you want any music, go for it. And next thing you know, I'm out there doing loops and going straight up and spinning down towards the ground and, you know, doing kinds of crazy stuff. And to me, that was three-dimensional freedom. It was, 
I've been told my whole life, you can't climb faster than, or, you know, steeper than this. And you can't turn more than that. And, um, this guy, my first time I got in the airplane, he goes, do whatever you want, hang upside down, go straight down, go straight up. And I'm like, this Mm -hmm. is the coolest thing I can think of doing. I love the, 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 the sense of freedom in flying and this ticket to another level. Mm. So I got super obsessed with that feeling of, of just like, I can really dance and paint in the sky. Yeah. It felt so liberating. Uh, from there, I did that for a bunch of years. The guy ended up selling the airplane and, and moving. Um, so I never got back into stunt flying, unfortunately, but it is near and dear to my heart. And it's a life goal to one day get another one of those. But around my early 30s, I decided that my greatest contribution in my relationship to aviation was not in flying airplanes. Mm-hmm. It was actually in running the business. Yeah. So I really like self-retired from jet flying mm-hmm. and said that uh, I, I really want to build a, an aviation company that allows people who are passionate about aviation and passionate about flying and passionate about fixing airplanes. They can have a place that has a really caring culture because unfortunately our industry has been a pretty tough industry for, for professionals in the same way, like actors and actresses and artists and aviators are the same way. People that love aviation have really struggled in a lot of cases. It's only recent that their quality of life has gotten much better, but they had people making $18,000 a year flying commuter airlines and living off food stamps and sleeping in crash pads. And I was like, you know what? I really want to create an environment where they can make a good living. We're, we're creating a quality product and we have a culture that really cares about them. So that really has been my focus for aviation with a second track happening at the same time. Mm -hmm. After stunt flying, even that got a little bit boring. And I was like, all right, it's cool. I can I can do the dance in the sky. I get it. I can do all this stuff. I'm not going to die. I know I'm not going to die. I have a parachute. I'm like safe. I'm trained. What was really unexpected was I remember taking uh, a friend flying around that time. And when we took off off the ground, I looked over to the right. And I do this thing sometimes where like I like to accelerate over the runway and then just like really climb steep on the takeoff. And it's just something people aren't used to. And I remember looking over and I saw the awe and the wonder and the anxiety and the fear and the excitement and all that stuff on their face. And when I saw that, I noticed that I was like, wow, I'm, I'm feeling that too now. And it was the first time that I really understood the whole concept of mirror neurons, that we are, we are programmed to experience what other people are feeling. So when we see a football player take a hard tackle on TV, we'll often go like, ooh, or we're like, oh man, right? We actually feel it in that moment because that's what we're, that's how our minds work. That's almost like the mechanical empathy system that we have in our mind. And I really, wait a minute. This is like all the greats that have ever said, they said at some point in your life, you have to give back. At some point in your life, the real meaning comes in doing for others. And I realized that I was this guy that grew up in this very unique circumstance that most people will never get to experience just by the nature of the fact that aviation is not that accessible. Yeah. I said, you know what I want to do is I want to create experiences with people I care about. And I want to uh, share this as a way of giving it more meaning for me. So then I just started doing weird stuff where I'd go on Facebook and say, Hey guys, I'm going to travel for nine days. Who wants in? And random people would be like, I'll go. And so I'd put all these different people on my airplane and do social experiments We'd all share the cost of flying. Most people had never met before. We had no idea where we were going. We're like, let's just go and figure it out as we go. When the weather's nice, we'll follow that. We want to go somewhere else, we'll fly there. Let's just create a trip together and see what happens with no concept of attachment to anything. Mm-hmm. And what was really magical in that was that it ended up accelerating connection because I realized that when you take away a constant and the only constant is the group of people you're around, yeah. it, it makes you pull together in a way that I it was like I created little family units on every one of these trips I did. And to this day, people have done this with 10 years ago. If we all run into each other, 
there's like, oh, we're, we have a special connection that no one can take away from us. Yeah. So for the last decade for myself, for my own personal uh, you know, passion, I just like to take people that I don't know well or respect or thought leaders and I'll say, let's all go fly in a dinner somewhere or let's go on a multi-day trip or let's go take an adventure and let's see what kind of connection and conversation and magic we can create in mm. a completely uncertain, chaotic environment. Yeah. And, and, and that, again, when I say how I do it matters, I don't know what I'm supposed to do with this, but yeah. I know how I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it intentionally. I'm going to do it with great care. Yeah. And I know that I care about how people feel. Yeah. And at the end of the experience, when someone says to me, whether I play a guitar, whether I take someone flying, whether I have people that work for me in the company, whether I'm hanging out with entrepreneurs, my goal is always to see people inspired to say, I had no idea I could do that. Yeah. I had no idea who was capable of that, and that was in me. And mm -hmm. I, for some reason, whether it's the support of the people around me, whether it's the fact that I was terrified of going on an airplane, whether it was the fact that I was terrified of not having a plan, I love the idea of seeing that every one of the things I do allows people to look at the edges of what they're capable of. Yeah. Well, and, and so again, that's kind of the, the technical aspect of the business. Now, what we found because of this passion, I was like, all right, well, go back to Ikigai. What are people going to pay me to do? Like yeah. that's all nice, right. Like flying friends around is nice and playing music in the park is nice, which I don't really take money for. Mm -hmm. Um, how do I create something that people want to pay me for? What's the value I'm creating that is worth receiving someone else's, you know, uh, someone else's money or monetary support in the process? Hmm. So what, what we really decided was that I actually got really clear that I don't run an aviation company, actually. I run, hmm. I run a finance, uh, sorry, I should say a, a financial planning company. Because the reality is that um, aircraft are expensive, the number one reason that you don't have a plane, I'm assuming you don't. If you did, I assume you'd tell me by now. But the number one reason you don't have a plane yeah. is probably money related on some level. If you have infinite money, my guess is that you'd have a jet. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, very few people would be like, no, nah, I just don't believe in them. Most people yeah. think like, what an incredible tool for creating time and yeah. for the access to move around and build meaningful relationships and be more effective in everything I do. So if most people don't have it because of money, then in reality, we're a financial company because that's the only way we can solve this puzzle is understanding people's mm -hmm. relationship to wealth planning, tax, and all that stuff. Yeah. So at that point, I said, okay, if we're a financial company, then what our whole move has been is saying, uh, I forgot who said this. They said, if you want to know how rich people get rich is that they don't pay taxes. Like if you want to know true equations for wealth, stop paying tax. Yeah, <laughs> whatever that means, like not, not do it illegally, figure out a way to keep your tax dollars and put it back to work, yeah. put it back into your business, invest it in yourself, invest it in things that are going to turn into revenue producing assets instead of giving away 40% to the government. Yeah. And so again, I believe in value generation. I believe in economies and I believe in governments and taxes and all that stuff. But the reality yeah. is that if I can provide more airplanes to fly or more mechanics to do work, more people make a living, people make a good living in a great cultural environment. I believe in what our business creates in the world in the value chain. I said, okay, so what we now help people do is we help someone like you figure out one, what does it cost for you to enter aviation? It's probably less than you think. I wrote a book about it called own your own plane. It costs less than you think because most people think it costs tons of money to buy a jet. Like it's $50 yeah. million to buy a jet. You got to Jay-Z money, right? Yeah. And so like, okay, well let's, 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 let's make that not, let's make that not the real thing. The last jet we bought, well, that's not true. Last jet we bought was a little bit more, but we recently bought a jet a year ago that is an eight seat jet that'll fly to 
Florida, fly to the Bahamas, fly to the Caribbean, fly halfway across the country. You can go across the country with a fuel stop. We bought it for $300,000. Oh, really? $300,000. Wow. <laughs> and this is a beautiful machine that goes higher than airliners, flies just as fast as an airliner. Most people don't know the age of the plane. If I showed them the picture, yeah. they would, I don't know, when is that from? Last year, 10 years ago? I have no idea. Mm. So I realized there was all this ignorance about um, older aircraft that people say, oh, it's got to be unsafe. It's not unsafe. The, the statistics are there that there is no correlation between age of plane and safety. So we said, well, what if we can help people come up with a financial plan for their life to understand one, how much money they actually need to make to have an airplane. Two, we can enable that and make it possible. When they do buy it, we will take their airplane when they're not using it and, and generate revenue for them to offset their costs. And then biggest and most important, we could even help them set up a tax optimal strategy that they can offset because planes have a bonus depreciation where you could buy a plane and depreciate it to zero that year. So in other words, you say to me, Nick, I made a million dollars this year. Great. Let's go buy a million dollar airplane and you can write down your profit to zero. Zero. Wow. It's insane. So again, that's why I say a lot of people in aviation are aviation, airplane passionate people, maintenance, you know, passionate about fixing airplanes. I'm passionate about all that too. But the difference between you entering my industry and not is not making you love airplanes. It's helping mm -hmm. you understand the financial landscape and fitting it into your life. Into your so I've really had to, uh, I was never a numbers guy in that way. I never cared about money. I was never, I'm like a, like a, I'm an artist. I like playing music and like floating yeah. through the sky. But I realized yeah. I had to get a really good relationship to money. I had yeah. to understand that money's not this negative thing. Rich people are not bad for getting it, which is like the programming of growing up in a middle-class yeah. environment. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and that money's actually a beautiful thing, especially if you can create it helping people. Yeah. And so we really did shift our focus. It's a long story about how we became a financial company that operates airplanes. And mm -hmm. that uh, that's really our that's really our sweet spot is helping you figure out how to truly create that in your life, not having to wait till you make 50 million dollars. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and and that it is much much more accessible than anyone would ever tell you because mm -hmm. there's a certain desire being luxury, prestige, you know, the 1% of the 1%. Mm -hmm. Not true. It's yeah. available to everyone uh, in different ways. Some people, it's just one flight that they take at a flight school to know that they can fly an airplane. For some people, it's buying uh, a piston engine airplane and flying their family around to the little family vacations. For other yeah. people, it's buying a jet and having their business offset their all their you know positive uh, positive income and, and sorry their net profits. Yeah. So I'm really passionate about that. I want to make this possible for people because it is it is when people have lost their wealth. When someone says like I've had a really bad turn of luck, mm -hmm. the last thing that they that they get rid of is their airplane. They'll sell their extra homes. Yeah. They'll give up a lot of a lot of life's comforts, but they don't let go of the jet. And it's because once you see the power of what that is, it is not some you know lux only ridiculously superfluous thing. It is actually an incredible tool for creating meaningful things in your life for getting yeah. time back for being home with your family more. So when you go into a business meeting, that's important. You can get back. You can get back. Yeah. You can spend three days. So I, I, I'm, I could not be more excited about the idea of making that possible for people. Yeah. And again, is it my thing? It's still not my thing. Still haven't found my thing. Still it's still not my only thing. Drives me crazy. But yeah. I know how to do it. So yeah. wow. So essentially, can, can people take that uh, on board and actually operate it as a business as well? 
Yeah, so essentially that's what we do is that we will figure out the way to set the aircraft up as a business asset for them in most cases. And if we can't do that, then we'll set it up as a personal as asset for them. And then again, offset some of the costs. Again, most people fly their planes only about 10% of the usable or bandwidth for the year. So we said, give us the other 90% and yeah. we'll pay you for the time and reduce your reduce your costs significantly. Yeah, wow. Um, what, what about uh, regulations within the industry? Because uh, some people would be sort of bogged down with it. Maybe there's uh, heavy regulations or you have to satisfy. Yeah, yeah. Things and, yeah I mean, that's, that's why I think it's so powerful what we do is most people in reality are never going to look at an airplane and get excited as I do. They're never going to go like, wow, look at the shape of that wing. And oh, man, look at how they designed that. And look at how like what a beautiful everything. Like look at how it takes off. Most people don't care. They're just like, just get me the damn thing and get me to where I'm going. I just want the tool to, like, I, I think someone once said this to me. If you could snap your fingers and be the other place you wanted to go, would you do it instead of flying there? Yes. Most yeah. people would be like, I don't want to sit on an airplane. I don't yeah. care how nice it is. I would rather go boom and be in California. Yeah. So if that's true, then the airplane is the thing we have to do to get what we want. Yeah. So most people don't want to learn about regulations or airplanes or pilots or any of that crap. They're just mm -hmm. like, just tell me what I need to know. Show me yeah. the financial case for this. T make me clear that I'm not doing something stupid. I just mm -hmm. want to know I'm not doing something stupid and something I can't afford. Yeah. So I just say, here's your structure. Here's the deal. If that fits within your financial picture of the world, then great. Let me execute. Don't worry about any of that stuff. Yeah, absolutely. I, th I think that's... Uh, that's where the great value is because that, that's that's where people's anxiety is about. You know, do I have to learn about the regulations? Do I have to learn about flying times or, or you know, all the stuff that technical that, that you can do? Uh, but uh, if you can cut that by offering that value for people, uh, to me, that's a, that's a great offering actually in terms of uh, what what people can do to, to enter this. And uh, it, it's just a, a, a classic example of a, a lot of myths that people have about doing anything. I mean, I remember, you know, even people in any kind of investments, even uh, uh, like, uh, you know, real estate or anything, people can create these ventures whereby they can actually buy stuff without actually using any of their money and all that. But uh, understanding and getting the right people who are in the business, they've got the knowledge, they've got the business, the, the uh, expertise, you know, people like yourself, that's where you cut all the risk because it's all about risk, isn't it? You know, you you get to learn uh, and and uh, leverage on that knowledge and that uh, uh, that that people uh, like yourself have. So uh, okay, so um, yeah, what what else do you, do you offer? Like, how can people um, you know find you or, or find out more information or just uh, give us more detail about what what you actually offer and how people can uh, get on board. <clears throat> Yeah, so um, probably the easiest way is if you're interested in the aviation stuff we do and you just want to explore how to make that possible in your life, uh, www.ventura.aero. Yeah. Um, that's, you know, that's our website that kind of goes into all the different services. Yeah. Um, I think beyond that, if you're, you know, if you're interested in kind of talking about other aspects of things and, and what we're up to, yeah. uh, you know, lately it's been, I've been doing a lot of these things, so. I'm really excited about the idea of, I, I, you know, I, I want to put a, a book out about the pilot mindset. Yeah. So I think that'll be coming soon, and I'll hopefully be doing a podcast about yeah. the pilot mindset at some point in the future. So that's on hold. But in the meantime, uh, I have the book out, Own Your Own Plane, It Costs Less Than You Think, on Amazon. 
And wow. if you want to check that out, that kind of gets into a little bit of the personal story, but also how to, you know, how to get into that world. If you don't want to work with me, it kind of explains how to do it and just that whole lifestyle. Now, some people actually find that they enter aviation, they want to know all about the rules and the regulations and everything. They fall in love with the concept of being a pilot and controlling all that stuff. So that's something that uh, we, we no longer do flight training just because we wanted to get really focused on making making private ownership possible for people with jets. Yeah. Um, go find a local flight school. If it's something you've ever dreamed of doing, my number one recommendation, if you've ever thought about flying an airplane, go find a local school and take a flight. Ask them for a discovery flight. Do it, do it, do it, do it. It'll, it'll potentially change your life. And either way, you're going to be like, it's awesome that I did this. So, uh, yeah, and then, and then beyond that, you know, just find me on Instagram or social and send a message. I, I like to yeah. be in touch. Yeah. Presum presumably people getting into, you know, to buy and own the aircraft, they don't necessarily have to be uh, pilots themselves. Is, is that right? No, most most aren't most won't ever become a pilot because there's a lot of work that comes with that. So it's more of you can buy the plane, we can get you the pilots. We yeah. can absolutely give you the access to that. So that's really been our our suggestion is it's absolutely possible to find a way to bring aviation into your life that creates meaning. Um, and it's just it's so overwhelming because most people give you a paintbrush. Yeah. We can help you give you know, I'll actually give you the painting. Yeah. Wow. That's brilliant. Just uh, give us a bit more on the the pilot mindset, uh, you know, a, a, a bit more of that, because that's uh, that's quite a, a a key part of, uh, you know, your, your mindset and what you're actually offering in terms of uh, how people should should view anything around, uh, you know, growth and facing fears and you know, moving forward and basically personally developing themselves. So you can give us a bit more on that. Yeah. Yeah. So to, uh, absolutely. The pilot mindset. I was trying to figure out what the formula is, right? Like, I mean, I'm being a guy that flies airplanes, everything is checklists and process and instrumentation and all that stuff. So I said, all right, how do I, how do I make, again, in airplanes, there's no guessing. It's not gut feel. You follow the instruments. There's a little bit of artistry in it, but for the most part, you can be very effective at just following the tools. So what it really became clear to me is I've never had a day where I took off an airplane. You know, I got the airplane off the ground and didn't know where I was going. So step number one, always have your destination in mind. It is crazy to me how many times I've done it myself where I just didn't know what I wanted out of life. And again, I, to this day, I don't know what I want to do, but I know how I want to do it. My destination is the how, right? It's like, yeah, it's okay that I don't know what I'm going to be when I'm 50. And I don't know what I'm going to be when I'm 60, but I know how I'm going to do it. That is clear. And I'm always on that path towards more of mastery of living that way in the world, right? So number one, have your destination. Number two, I would never fly an airplane without understanding its capability and my own capability. So if someone put a jet and a little prop plane next to each other and I'm not a jet guy, I'm not going to get in the jet because the jet is way, way, way more powerful than anything I could deal with. I don't understand its capability. I don't know what's possible. Yeah. So I think this comes to self-awareness. So you know where you want to go. Then you got to say, okay, what am I actually capable of? What are my limitations? Let's be realistic about what I want to do. Now, if I'm not happy with the pace I'm going in a small plane, then let me go do some training and learn about how to operate a jet. If you're not happy with the way you look, if you're saying I'm overweight, go figure out a way to be more healthy, go to the gym, focus on nutrition. If you're not happy with your career, find someone who can guide you there. But it's like whatever that is, don't kid yourself and, and go out in the world and say, I'm going to be the number one musician in the world. Do you practice every day? No, you're never going to be the number one musician in the world. So it's like, let's get really clear on who you are and where you are. So now we've got, we know where we want to go. We know what we're capable of and, and, and the ability we have to get there. 
Next, let's go draft that, 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 that flight plan. So what's unique about aviation and, and planning is, I think you've probably seen this before. Most people say the, the path to success they imagine is like, a, well, let me see, I'm in a mirror. So I guess it'd be, it's like a straight line, right? Most people think it's like, success looks like this. And we all know success looks like that, right? It's like this messy, messy thing that goes all over the place. Sometimes you go sideways, sometimes you go backwards. But what's unique about, again, flight planning is that when you pull out the chart, you go, oh, there's weather here and I need to go around and there's terrain I need to go around and there's some temperature issues I need to avoid here. What we're actually doing is saying, let's look at all the risk factors. You said risk mitigation before. Let's look at all the risks. Let's look at all the things that could potentially ruin my ability to get there. Yeah. And then let me plan around it. So my flight plan is not a straight line. It, it is literally this. It's moving around the, the issues, right? And yeah. that's something we so rarely do in life is say, I know what I want now and I know what I'm capable of, but how am I going to screw this up? Let's imagine the things that are going to mess it up for me. And then let's yeah. plan around. Let's get really in touch with a solid plan based in reality. Excellent. So now I've got those three elements done. Time to go. Let's get moving. The fourth piece of this for me is um, you really have to monitor those instruments. Yeah. You absolutely have to have to have to monitor those, those instruments. And, and, and sorry, I skipped one thing that's really important is first you have to get going, right? Like I said, you got to get going, you got to get on the move. Most people are going in too many different directions to get off the ground. Yeah. An airplane for at least the beginning of its flight needs to accelerate with focus in one particular direction to gain speed. Yeah. Once you're moving, once you've actually got, you know, the air going over the wings, now you can maneuver, now you can turn and you can go up and you can go down and go around. So it's like really hyper-focus on that. Get that thing of like, I got to get this, this, this whole thing moving forward. So it's commit to getting moving in one direction. Don't do too many things at the same time. Yeah. And like I said, then once you're once you're in the air, it's going to be monitor those instruments. So hey, I see that uh, you know my critical instruments are going to be for someone might be cash, might be quality of my relationships, yeah. might be um, you know I know by next year I want to be 20 pounds down. Well, if in six months I'm not 10 pounds down, I'm probably never going to get there. So my critical instrument for me is my altimeter or my my airspeed, I want to know how high I am, how fast I'm going. Define your critical instruments and look at them constantly. Look at your critical numbers, measure your success, right? What gets measured gets improved. So I really believe in like, we were trained on the airplanes. The key instruments are in a little box right in front of us, in front of our face. It's called the, you know, it's, it's called the six pack and they call it, a, it's like a T scan. You know, like when you're in instrument conditions, you just keep looking at those instruments. That's your key stuff. Don't worry about anything else going over here. Those yeah. are not critical. This is the critical stuff. Don't get distracted. So it's like, hey, you want to, again, you, weight's an easy one for people to imagine because it's so specific. It's, it's like a smart goal, right? It's specific, measurable, actionable, realistic, and time-bound. So I'm saying, okay, good. I want to get down 10 pounds. I know the timeline. I'm going to check in with myself on a weekly basis. Am I trending towards that? If not, the last piece of this is make tiny corrections. If you let yourself get too far off the course and you're starting to turn 90 degrees and you're going all over the place, yeah. that is very challenging for people. So what I learned is, and this goes back to excellence, my instructors would say, hey, Nick, what's your altitude? My altitude was 5,015 feet. And he's like, well, why isn't it 5,000? I said, because it's fine. And he goes, no, 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 fix it. If you're off by 15 feet, just fix it. Make a small correction now so it's not a 100-foot correction or a 500-foot correction or a 1,000-foot correction. And you think, think in our lives how many times we allow ourselves to drift off course and don't put ourselves back there. By the time we turn, we hit a mountain in our life. We hit some irreparable issue that if we had just taken the time to make those small corrections, we would have been fine. Mm -hmm. So on a very high level, these are the things that I constantly ask myself. Am I going off course? Am I monitoring my critical instruments? 
yes, I'm going off course, make that small correction, put myself back there. And it's so simple when you hear it that way, but most people don't actually have the framework to do this. They don't even know what their instruments are. Hey, what's your critical instrument? What are you measuring in your life? I don't know. How happy I am. Good luck. Good luck measuring happiness. Let's see how that turns out. Yeah. Talk about an instrument that is so, so variable and hard to control. It's like, let's actually get, like, get based into other things. So my goal would be to really take this to the next level and give people these specific tools to be able to create their own flight plan and their own pilot mindset for how to move through the world. Yeah. So that's, that, that's really kind of the framework at this point. Yeah. Wow. That, that, that's brilliant. There's just a, a lot of stuff that, uh, you know, our listeners will pick up from there in terms of the direction and how they want to actually run their life. So that was uh, really useful to share. Um, and then uh, as we sort of uh, wrap it up, um, tell us more about the, your other side of your music and everything else that uh, uh, you, you, you have in your, in your life to, to add to the, to the whole package. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Music. So where I say like aviation is my connection to the outside world. Music is my connection to the inside world. Yeah. Uh, I've always loved music. I, again, I play uh, guitar, bass, drums, piano, and I sing. I've mm -hmm. put out some albums or some, some of my old music's on Spotify, which is some hard rock stuff. Uh, I'm making a new album as we speak. I actually just enlisted uh, a friend of a friend who is a really talented songwriter and producer. And it was funny. I actually had the same moment of like, I want to put out an album. I'm feeling stuck. I can't write. I go, I go to my capability, my checklist. And what am I, what am I lacking? And what I realize I'm lacking is uh, I need accountability, buddy. I need a coach. So I just basically brought someone on as my music coach to just help me get to writing, help me commit to writing. I see my own, on my flight plan, I could see my own risk. My mountain is myself. I'm going to hit into my own ability to, to procrastinate and hit my own ability of fear of sharing what I created. So I said, okay, I actually want to commit to putting music out. And in the meantime, what I do to keep myself really connected to it is, um, like I said, I play music in the New York City parks, uh, usually Madison Square Park or Central Park. We're going into the winter season, so maybe not so much. Uh, but when it's nice out, I like to get out there and just share music with people. And I'll share one quick story that really kind of gave me context of why this is so important. Yeah. Um, about three months ago or maybe four months ago is when I started playing. And obviously it's COVID in New York City. Everything's in quarantine. And, you know, we're obviously socially distancing when, 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 you know, when we perform. I had a whole crowd of people that came up to us and listened and said, you know, this is the first time I've heard live music in four months. And... Yeah. I feel so disconnected. And the beauty of music is that it creates that sense of connection. Yeah. For that moment, those, those people that stood with us and sang with us really felt like they were part of something again. And they felt like they were connected to other people. And I think that that's such an amazing gift to give someone when they're in their busy day running through a park and they just stop. And we've had people stop on a Friday night. They were on their way to who knows what. They stopped and they said, screw my plans. I'm just going to stay with you and sing songs for three hours. Yeah. That is not something people are used to. That is not uh, and again, we're not playing for money. We don't want their money. We just wanted to give them an experience that we can share together because it's my passion. It's not something I need to make money at. Yeah. And I just want to continue to share that. So I think for me, it's uh, once again, creating a really special experience, creating a sense of connection. Yeah. And, uh, you know, in, in a crazy world, it's nice to just feel the goodness in people and, and to share joy with others and just to remind people hey, it's not all that bad out there. Yeah. Wow. That's uh, such a, uh, an inspirational uh, story, actually. You know, to get to to, un to understand all oh, those connections with people and just sharing. It's uh, is that contribution to others that uh, you know 
make us feel good in ourselves as well, isn't it? Like, like you said before, that we get to feed on the feelings of others and how they are feeling, and that can have an effect on, on us as well. So it's been uh, such a pleasure, Nick, speaking to you and uh, getting to understand and listen to the story. I, mean, I know for sure this is going to be quite a popular episode, people trying to, to understand that story and all the, uh, the bits that you've shared in terms of how they can conduct and carry on their life as well. So it'll be good to sort of, uh, you know, follow your story. I'm sure probably at some point in the future, uh, as uh, things progress, we'll probably get you back on the podcast and get to speak to us again. So it'll be good to do that. So we'll put up uh, in the notes your, um, you know, the website and how people can find you as well. So people can actually uh, contact you and get uh, more information on what they can do uh, and how you can actually help them uh, with the industry as well. I mean, do you think uh, just before we go, um, the, the current situation in terms of uh, COVID and everything else will have uh, quite an impact? This, uh, certainly on the commercial airlines and all of that, there's quite an impact. But in your uh, particular space, do you see much impact around that, the current situation? Yeah, I mean I believe our industry is going to blossom from it because people have lost, you know, again, we used to sell, I think about our value proposition. We used to sell luxury, right? People wanted luxury flights. They had alternatives. Mm -hmm. Now we sell safety. Yeah. Uh, people want to buy, you know, controlled cabin. They're with people that they know they can social distance in their own private jet. Yeah. People have family members that are, you know, having health issues and they don't want them moving on an airline and potentially getting sick and infecting them. So right now we are allowing people to have in-person connections that they wouldn't have been able to have otherwise. And I think the whole industry is finding that that is something that's going to be for a long time. Long the time. fear of COVID is not going away. The fear of, I mean, imagine sitting on a commercial airliner and the person next to you coughs, you're yeah. not going to feel good. Yeah. No matter what, there's always going to be that like, Oh, I'm a little scared. What if this is that moment that I catch it? And I, I end up uh, being the reason that someone I love dies. Yeah. What if I wasn't responsible. Right. And I think that's not going away. And we give people a way to not have to deal with that. Mm -hmm. uh, so I think that this industry is going to blossom. We've seen a lot of really uh, positive movement in our industry right now. And again, it's not back to where it used to be, but mm -hmm. more people have entered the, 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 the charter industry as first time users than we've probably ever seen in a long time. Yeah. And I think that's, that's positive for us. It's unfortunate for the airlines. Mm -hmm. uh, but again, we're just happy to be here to support people at a time when, you know, travel is still necessary for a lot of people. And Absolutely. we want to make sure we can offer it in a safe way and uh, help people find a way to still be parts of their families and still conduct business. Yeah. And we're, we're, we're proud to be able to do that. So yeah, we're, we're in, just to give you some context, we yeah. are growing four times faster this year than we've ever grown before. Wow. Four yeah. times faster. I mean, we are up, up yeah. the curve. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. the main reason I could say that that's possible is that, am I afraid? Yes. But once again, can I move through the fear? Yes. And I believe that the world needs what we're doing and it's going to need it for a while. Yeah. If there was ever a time to step up and build what we've always dreamed of building, now's the time to do it. When everyone else is afraid and hiding under their desks and not, not sure what to do with their life and feeling lost, this is an opportunity for, I have a clear vision for what I want to build. And I yeah. said, okay, well, now's the time to have confidence in myself and courage in my vision yeah. because people are willing to have conversations that they weren't willing to have before. People are humbled and they're afraid and we can confidently step into the, you know, into the light and say, okay, well, follow us. We'll take yeah. you there. Yeah, absolutely. And in terms of uh, 
coverage. It's a global coverage, I take it, for helping people. Uh, right now, we're, we're mostly in the Western Hemisphere, but next year we're, we're going to be launching worldwide. So, uh, like I said, we are very, very quickly moving in a direction of scale and yeah. providing this for more people. Because again, I think what we offer is very unique. There's no one that offers what we do. We have significantly more cost cost effective options than most of our competition, mm-hmm. especially when you look at like the the, the net jets options and the flight options and the big guys. Mm-hmm. Our our offerings are going to be significantly more. Uh, uh, manageable for people that aren't necessarily billionaires. Yeah. So from that perspective, I really believe in what we're doing. And it's, like I said, it's, all, it's only getting better by the day for us. Yeah, brilliant. That's great, Nick. Uh, any last word, anything else that you would like to share that we haven't covered as yet for our listeners? No, I think this was, uh, again, I really appreciate you creating a space for this. And, you know, yeah. conversation is uh, is something that I... I just find a lot of value in meaningful, meaningful discussion. And you've done a really great job of creating a container for that and guiding the conversation. Yeah. So, no, it, it, it's, really, it's really been great. I mean, just a mindset thing for people to begin to understand about, you know, facing their fears, going out there, getting the information, making a contribution to others and feeling, making themselves feel better and others as well. It's such a great uh, concept and your pilot mindset and the steps that you've shared that people should actually uh, get to understand and even tweak their smallest margins where they're diverting from their plans. And that's such a great stuff to share and it'd be quite uh, popular with our listeners on the podcast. And I'm sure we'll have uh, quite a bit of feedback and people you know, will probably be contacting you to get more information. So it's really been great. Thank you very much, Nick. And uh, yeah, enjoy the rest of your day and I'm sure we'll be in touch soon. Yeah. Thanks again. All right, thanks, Nick. Cheers. Thank you. Bye. Bye.